Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's 864 reasons why this podcast exists. You're listening to Anything But Footy, your weekly roundup of all the news and talking points from Olympic and Paralympic sport. And in the week the National Lottery celebrated its 25th birthday, we'll focus on who will be the next man, the next woman or the next team to add to Team GB and ParaGB's medal tally since 1997 of 864. The latest medal, incidentally in that tally, was finally presented this week. But more on that later. I'm Michael. And I'm John. And in the next half an hour, further controversy for athletics in Great Britain this time. Could French hotels scupper the Paris 2024 Olympics? And as we hear, a bronze Olympic medal at last for Team GB, but six years too late. And you can always get in touch with Anything But Footy, your Olympic and Paralympic sport podcast. You can go to our website, anythingbutfooty.com. You can email us, anythingbutfooty at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at anythingbutf. We're on Facebook, on YouTube and on Instagram. And you can find us on Apple and Google Podcasts, on Spotify. And we would urge you to like, rate and comment about us. But first up, we're going to talk about awards season. It's that time of the year when the gongs are handed out. And this week, amongst the many awards ceremonies, the Sunday Times Sports Women of the Year Awards. Now, these were established back in 1988. Winners have included people like Jessica Ennis-Hill, Kelly Holmes, Denise Lewis, Victoria Pendleton and Zara Phillips. And the 2019 winner... Well, it was the same as the 2018 winner. It was Dina Asher-Smith following her gold medal at the World Athletics Championships in Doha in the 200 metres. Uh, she also won silver in the 100 metres and a silver in the 4x100 metres. She was the first British athlete since Mary Ram back in 1964 uh, to win three medals at the same global championships. There were other awards given out on the night as well. And as I've said, it was award season and we'll come to some of the other ceremonies that took place over the last seven days. But firstly... Right, woman, got the award here, John? Absolutely. I don't think you can say that she didn't. I think Dina Asher-Smith, as you rightly said, 
It's the first time that someone has defended this title, which is growing in prestige year on year, the second year running that she has lifted the trophy. That gold and silver, silver in Doha, at a world championships, not a European, which she did it last year, not a Commonwealth Games, but at a world level. And she was also nominated, don't forget, for sportsmanship in Doha. She actually made sure that some of the athletes who didn't qualify for races when she was winning easily were okay when they were lying on the track. So, frankly, an all-round star. And look, it's not even Olympic year yet. Could it be three years on the trot? Look, she is a star. She's a superstar. She's probably the biggest name in British athletics at the moment. But when you look... At her achievements in 29, I have to say, I think Katerina Johnson-Thompson, who finished second, incidentally, has eclipsed her. She won her first global outdoor title in the heptathlon. Obviously, you know, it was just the, the one solitary gold medal uh, for her in Doha compared to Dean Rasher-Smith's gold and two silvers. But what I'm looking at is the competition. And Katerina Johnson-Thompson beat the reigning Olympic and world champion Nafi Tiam. And in Dean Rasher-Smith's event in the 200 metres... I'm looking at all the athletes that weren't in that final. Shawnee Miller-Webo, unbeaten in two years, over 200 metres. She wasn't in the final. Shelly-Ann Fraser-Price, who won the gold medal in the 100 metres, she wasn't in the final because they opted just to concentrate on doing the 100 metres. Uh, also, the bronze medalist from that 100 metre sprint, Marie-Josie Talu, wasn't there. Daphne Shippers, a double world 200 metres champion, injured. Elaine Thompson, out injured. And Blessing Okabari, who was disqualified in the heat. So it, it opened up nicely for Dina Rasher-Smith for me. And whilst, you know, I don't want to take away the medal and, you know, it was fantastic and I, I hear the argument you can only beat who's there on the day. I just wonder whether the fact that Katerina Johnson-Thompson hasn't had all the, the showbiz around the medal has counted against her on this occasion. I think it's a really good point about the 200 metres and we, we've talked about it on a, on a previous episode, I think when we reviewed Doha. But what I also wanted to say was I believe that Katerina Johnson-Thompson has the potential to go and win an Olympic gold medal. I'm not sure Dina Asher-Smith is as favourite for a gold medal as maybe Katerina Johnson-Thompson uh, in, a, in a year's time. So it may be that KJT will get that award next year. She was recognised by the British Athletics Writers Association uh, over the weekend as well, their annual award. She was named Female Athlete of the Year, but she had a better story to tell, if you like, than, than Dina. I think we have all remember the quote from Katerina, I've cried enough in my career. I don't want to do it anymore. I want to be winning. So she had a great story. So I can see why the why the Writers Association went with her. But looking at who was in the race, I wanted to look at Dina's competitors. And you mentioned some of them who weren't in the 200 metres, but they did all line up in the 100 metres. And let's not forget, she got a silver in the 100 metres, the first ever British women uh, to do that at world level. And I think in the heptathlon, it's quite a European and Western heavy event. So Katerina Johnson-Thompson, her main competitors in Doha from the starting lineup, Belgium, the USA, Hungary, Austria, Germany, Finland, Netherlands, France, Switzerland. When Dina's racing in the sprints where, frankly, anyone in the world can and does compete, she's up against Jamaica, the Ivory Coast, the USA, Switzerland, Nigeria, Netherlands, China, Bahamas. So it's a lot wider potential competitors that she's up against. And that's why I just think she edges it in this year that she has got this Sportswoman of the Year award for the second year running because looking at it, the people that she's beating week in, week out 
on the Diamond League as well. She obviously won the 100 metres Diamond League as well. We've talked about as well. I just think that when you look at, at the heptathlon event, that it's not quite open to the whole wide world. That's an interesting point about the geography of it. But as I said beforehand in the 200 metres a lot of those nations that you named didn't put their lead athletes in into the 200 metres which is why it opened up Dina Asher Smith in that final she was a class apart from everyone if you remember it she she was well clear of the rest of the field I just don't think it was as world class a field as what we're going to see in Tokyo in 2020 and that why is for me why I would always plump at these end-of-year awards for Katarina Johnson-Thompson. She set four personal bests during the competition. She made sure that she peaked at the right time, and she beat Nafi Tiam, who's been the standout athlete Who in was this coming event. back from injury. Yeah, an was, elbow she, injury. She, she was coming back from injury and, and hadn't done a full heptathlon before that, before that world. And I, I understand what you're saying, but you can argue it that a silver medal in the 100 metres for Dina Asher-Smith is harder because of all those countries that I mentioned, that was the starting lineup uh, in the in the women's hundred meters, you know, and the and the main competitors that she faced. It's not then her fault that they drop out in the two hundred meters. She then won silver in the four by one hundred meters relay, as you you know said at the, the start. You know, three medals at a Worlds. This is unheard of for a British athlete. Unheard of, male or female, to win three medals. And she won the Diamond League in the hundred meters as well. I think she deserved it, Dina, and I think that Katarina Johnson Thompson, as I say, has the potential next year to actually become the Olympic champion I think you're right Dina has got it all to do and if you read the Sunday Times interview uh, today she says you know I think um, Christine Harugu has said to her look it's not all about the Olympics it's day in day out concentrate on what you're doing work with the coach and focus on what you're doing and then see what happens in Tokyo she's got a heck of a battle if she wants to be a world, a world and Olympic champion. Well, I think Katarina Johnson-Thompson has to maintain what she has been doing and has a great chance to do that next year. Well, we'll have to agree to disagree on the, the main <laughs> award, the Sportswoman of the Year. We could probably argue uh, for the next 20 minutes on that one. Other awards on the night, um, I'm not sure we agree totally with the, uh, the way that they went. Team of the Year, England's netballers. Now, I think this is slightly controversial and, you know, and I don't think it should have been. You know, they didn't win a home World Cup. Yes, they reached the final and they did go on uh, and win a bronze. So they did better than the Lionesses. But I actually think for changing the mindset for football fans in this country during the summer, for record-breaking TV viewing figures, for attendance figures going up in the Women's Premier League, I'm not the biggest fan of his style of play and they've struggled since the World Cup in France, but it had to be Phil Neville's England's Lionesses. And I know we talk anything but footy, but it had to be the Lionesses for me. Well, for me, Solheim Cup golfers, um, you know, they actually won their event. And I think, you know, if we were looking at a, a, a male uh, sports person of the year awards and it was the Ryder Cup golfers, I think they would be a, a shoo-in uh, for team. I just think if you're giving a team of the year award, it, it's got to be a team that's won something. And and for me, the, the netball team's slightly gone backwards um, from the Commonwealth Games, which, you know, essentially is a world championships in 2018. All the best Commonwealth Games, uh, the Commonwealth Games attracts all the best nations in netball. So, you know, the fact the England netballers went from a gold on the Gold Coast uh, to going backwards at a home World Cup that counted against them England the Lionesses for me fell a little bit short when it really mattered when they came up against a real class team at the World Cup although I do take your point there was a, a real obvious 
sea change of opinion and mindset over the summer, and I think that's very important and can't be discounted. It even got a podcast called Anything But Footy, talking <laughs> about football. <laughs> but for me, the Solheim Cup golfers, the fact that they, they went on and won and actually won their event, uh, that to me would, would put them up up there for, for team of the year. Other awards just ran up. There's been some others. I'll come on and, and mention uh, that bronze medal that we started the, the podcast with for the uh, Team GB bobsleighers in a moment. But there's been some other athletics awards. One I'm 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 fairly certain that, that you are really, really pleased about. <laughs> yeah, I'll come to that in a moment. Firstly, uh, Eliud Kipchoge and Delilah Mohammed were named the male and female World Athletes of the Year at the World Athletics Awards in Monaco. Kipchoge, of course, uh, the first man, first person ever to go under two hours in the marathon Mohammed uh, the 400 meter champion as well uh, from Doha also at that um, um, Sunday Times Sportswoman of the Year event disability sportswoman Alice Tay I don't think we would disagree about that Michael no. seven time gold medalist I've uh, got par- that right yeah, and a world record holder at the World Para Swimming Championships. Uh, Callum Hawkins and Maria Lyle, again, Scottish athletes, athlete and para athlete of year in Glasgow. So congratulations to them. And great Yarmouth shot putter Sophie McKinna Here we uh, was, go. Crowned, was crowned Sportsperson of the Year Award at the Active Norfolk Awards. Now, this is... This is really important because this 25-year-old was one of the highlights for British athletics at Doha, reaching the final of the shot put competition with a personal best throw. It also gained her Olympic qualification for Tokyo next year and all done while holding down two jobs. She does not get lottery funding. She's been holding down two jobs and training and doing. And she beat um, a Norwich City footballer who was a local lad who scored a Premier League goal uh, this weekend and scored against Man City and she beat him. So big congratulations to Sophie McKinna. Very much deserved. Yes, congratulations to Sophie McKinna. And as we mentioned, uh, the bobsleigh quartet finally got their bronze medals from Sushi 2014 following the IOC decision to re-award these medals after expelling two Russian bobs. Uh, that decision was made back in March 2019. So John Jackson, Joel Fear and Stuart Benson and Bruce Tasker took the applause at the Team GB ball that was held this week in Old Billingsgate. So they are now one of the 864 medals won in 25 years of lottery funding that first medal incidentally i went back because obviously 25 years of lottery funding means we go back to november 1997 so the first olympics or paralympics after that was 1998 nagano great britain won one medal at those games and it was the four-man bobsleigh team of sean olsen dean ward courtney rumble and Paul Atwood. So if you want to uh, put a little bit of synergy together, they're the first and the last medal, if you like, of the 864, both in the four-man bob. Further controversy for British athletics this week. UK Sport and UK Athletics are reviewing the appointment of British Athletics Chief Exec Zara Hyde-Peters after an exclusive story in the Times from Matt Lawton this week. The CEO is set to take up her new role in December, but questions have now been raised about whether she allowed her husband to coach women as young as 16 years of age after he'd been banned from teaching as a PE instructor following inappropriate relationships with a 15-year-old schoolgirl. Now, Hyde Peters was coaching coordinator and vice chair of the Coventry Godiva Club between 2012 and 2017. And in a statement, newly appointed UKA, uh, UK Athletics Chairman Chris Clark has said, I fully support Zara's appointment as CEO and feel she'll do an excellent job. 
but he did say they would undertake a review as there can be no compromise, however, on matters relating to welfare and safeguarding. And the Sunday Times has picked up on it as well today, saying that Birmingham 2022 are now understood to be holding emergency discussions because Hyde Peters is on its board and they're looking at this as well. Now, Hyde Peters says her husband, partner at the time, never directly coached under 18 athletes following the incident with the pupil, which saw an exchange of inappropriate pictures and therefore the club did not have to be told about his past. UK Sport, who fund British Athletics, have said we are in urgent discussions with UK Athletics to seek all the facts. The only thing we can really say about this, and we said it last week, welfare and safeguarding of all athletes should be absolutely paramount. You're listening to Anything But Footy, your Olympic and Paralympic sport podcast. Elsewhere uh, with UK Athletics this week, they've appointed Steph Reid as vice president. She replaces Donna Fraser. She's a two-time Paralympic medalist, of course. Uh, She was the athlete representative at London 2017. She's a member of the BPA Athletics Commission as well, and she will work with President Jason Gardner. So well done to Steph Reid on that appointment. And good news this week, the 2020 British Championships, which of course will double up as the the Olympic trials are being held in Manchester on the 20th and the 21st of June 2020. Date for the diary there. They've sold out in three days. It's the first time in 13 years that Manchester has held the event and it's clearly going to be a popular one uh, for the people of the North West and beyond as Manchester gets to host it, of course, with the Alexander Stadium in Birmingham being redeveloped ahead of the Commonwealth Games. Don't forget, you can get in touch with us all the usual ways uh, via our website, anything but footy There's a contact us page there. If you just want to drop us an email, maybe you want to pick us up on our discussion, Katerina Johnson-Thompson or Dina Asher-Smith, a Sportswoman of the Year. You want to join in our debate that we've had on that. Email us, anythingbutfooty at gmail.com. You can tweet us at anythingbutf. Find us on Facebook, on YouTube and on Instagram. Also this week in the world of Olympic and Paralympic sport, the IOC have named another one of their top-tier sponsors. So car companies like Toyota, Coca-Cola, MasterCard, of course, all on the worldwide sponsorship program and the latest name joining them is Airbnb they've signed a 500 million dollar deal to sponsor the Olympics through until 2028 so that takes in Tokyo Beijing Paris uh, Milan and Los Angeles five cities that represent some of Airbnb's biggest markets now the deal includes as well as obviously some uh, opportunities for Airbnb to put their name to the Olympics. It also includes accommodation for some athletes and some officials. Although, John, I can't imagine Thomas Buck will be in a bedsit or a capsule hotel provided by Airbnb in, in Tokyo. I imagine he's going to be at one of the higher-end hotels. I do wonder how, how many of the uh, Olympic, uh, um, as you say, officials and, and main people will be taking up the option of uh, an Airbnb. I, was, I, I think it's a great marketing idea for the IOC and the Paralympic Committee as well. All these deals are now both combined Olympic and Paralympic. So Airbnb have pledged to continue to grow accessible features to enable people with disabilities or accessibility needs to find stays which fit their requirements, which I think is really important right around the world. And you mentioned those those key five cities that will be staging the Olympics and Paralympics over the years to come. I think it's good news for spectators. The deal thought to be worth about 500 million. 
um, that spectators will be able to access accommodation. And long term, it may mean an end to the boom of hotels in cities during games time, which actually is then detrimental for once uh, they have moved on and that, that ship has sailed, if you like. No word quite on replacing the athlete's village, though, uh, which is probably a bit more understandable as everyone needs to kind of be in the, in the right place. I think the, the main issue, Michael, that the IOC really have with this is that the French are revolting. <laughs> the Parisian uh, <laughs> hoteliers are not happy with this deal at all, are they? No, they're really not. Now, ahead of 2012, you'll remember that London had a few issues. The London organisers, there were protests around Greenwich Park and the fact that the equestrian and the cross-country was going to be held there. Some amazing photos uh, with Canary Wharf in the background. It was well worth it in the end. Olympic lanes being put in and Londoners wouldn't be able to drive and taxi drivers wouldn't be able to use them. But eventually the Londoners just kind of allowed it to happen and the IOC got its way. It ain't going to happen in France. If these hoteliers, which they have threatened to withdraw an entire support for the Paris Games, it could be massive. Now, the French hotels have long accused home rental platform Airbnb of taking advantage of minimal oversight to undercut their business. So they say they're obviously not competitors. And and we've seen what happens in France before. You know, they regularly burn tyres in protests that can bring the whole country to a standstill when the farmers get involved as well. A bit like tube strikes here and how London had to work really hard to make sure tube strikes didn't happen before 2012. And I think the most interesting part of this debate, Michael, is the mayor of Paris, Anne Hildago, is actually up for re-election before uh, Paris 2024, has sent a letter to Thomas Bach, the IOC president, warning of the risks inherent in the recently signed sponsorship deal with Airbnb. So some big question marks again, and every sponsor brings its own controversy. I think this is beneficial But there's going to be a few hoteliers and a few anxious uh, days, weeks, months, years for the IOC before Paris 2024. The one thing I'd say is there is, for me, no way in the world the mayor of Paris wants to lose the opportunity to be waving that French flag at the opening ceremony and sitting next to the president and watching it all begin to unfold. So I think that's just a bit of political posturing to try and and secure the position, if you like, uh, heading into the Games in 2024. I think it's it's a great deal um, for the Olympics and the Paralympics. You know, there are issues when bid cities agree to host to games they have to sign the big bid bid book and the contract one of the things in that is that you know hoteliers can't just double their prices and and cash in on the olympics now the airbnb side of it if you like has been unregulated up till now and i found that to my cost in rio because i tried to stay in an airbnb and initially people were accepting my bookings and then when they looked at the dates closely and realized it was around the olympics they were coming back and they were doubling tripling quadrupling their prices Mm. now in rio i actually ended up staying with a family and i found that for me made my olympic experience way way better than I imagine it would have been if I'd been staying in a, a faceless intercontinental hotel. I felt where I, where I, I was staying. Where, where, yeah, well, basically, you know, I, I was coming in each and every day with different stories about, you know, what had happened with the family that I was staying with and I was getting out of the Olympic bubble. Because what happens during the Olympics is you see lots of newspaper columns written by journalists who are pretty peed off with everything. And the reason is because <laughs> they're seeing intercontinental hotel they're seeing media bus, they're seeing media centre, 
and then they're seeing that in reverse and they're not getting out of the bubble. And I was able to get out of the bubble by going off and staying in what wasn't an Airbnb in the end, but hopefully for Tokyo, an Airbnb will now be available. And I also mm. think a bigger picture for the IOC is they need to make the games, and you hinted at it, of course, with you know all these cities that throw up all these hotels to get ready for the Olympics, the Paralympics, then can't fill them afterwards. They need to make the games more sustainable in the long term so by bringing Airbnb in and having all of those other options means it's more sustainable long term. It's more local. It's more authentic. And it means that the same dozen cities in the world aren't going to have to share the Olympics and Paralympics. It opens it up to other cities in the world that maybe couldn't have bid before because now they've got this whole other way of hosting the world during games time. And if that upsets some French Parisian hoteliers in the short term, well, so be it. You watch out for those burning tyres. Is it true, Michael, that when you got home to Rio every night, there was a beer waiting outside your front door, very much like the milk bottles in the morning? There was. <laughs> the uh, the lady that I stayed with, um, Patricia, who owned this house, she hosted about um, half a dozen to a dozen of us that were, were there for various reasons at the Olympics. She, she'd lived in the UK in the past. She'd lived in Maidenhead. Um, and so she had taken away, her main take home back to Brazil was that the English liked a beer. <laughs> so she <laughs> said... Well, she was right. Uh, She said um, when I got there, I know what you English are like. You like a beer. Um, She said, and uh, I know you're working long hours. So she'd never let me leave in the morning without leaving me a bit of breakfast. And she said, I'll always make sure there is a can of the the local lager uh, waiting for you when you get in in the evening, which was fantastic. And uh, I should also mention I had to get a little boat uh, back and forward because she lived on a little island in the the Baja region of Rio, so it was um it was an interesting journey each and every day, uh, and one that you know I look back w- with such fondness, and I just think this Airbnb deal uh, what might open up other little experiences like that for other people. Moving Can I just forward. say the down da- the downside was. I had to put up with you moaning about your mosquito bites and, <laughs> and, 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 and the fact that I think how many hospitals did we have to visit? No, we didn't. But you, you always need some kind of treatment. And it was uh, it was the it was the mosquito bites and the sunburn and various other things because you were sunning yourself on this yes. boat. <laughs> I, I do always get some kind of games time illness or injury. Um, I reached a real low moment, as you'll recall, in Glasgow um, <laughs> at the Commonwealth Games, where um, I got a big blister on my toe and, and was forced into a wheelchair one <laughs> afternoon. Uh, I said at the time, I think this is a bit over the top, but they insisted. Um, yeah, my mosquito <laughs> bites and probable case of Zika um, in Rio. <laughs> And in London during the the Olympics, um, hand, foot and mouth disease. And I was I was sat in the the medical centre there when I got word I had to go and interview Zara Phillips. (laughs) And I thought, oh, no, I've got I'm about to be diagnosed with hand, foot and mouth disease. I'm going to spread it through the entire British Olympic team and the royal family. (laughs) So, yeah. Well, just keep your fingers crossed for me for Tokyo, really. Well, exactly. Stand stand by Tokyo. Emergency 999 is on its way. (laughs) We'll move on because uh, London and the Aquatic Centre has been hosting the International Swimming League over the course of the weekend. UK debut of this event. Adam Peaty has said it's revolutionising the sport. It's seen some sellout crowds. Uh, We've had BBC coverage on the red button. The old traditionalist in me, of course, was a bit disappointed not to see it on BBC One or BBC Two, the old senior service of 
television, if you like. They were showing golf highlights, which was interesting in the week that the BBC lost live US Masters coverage. But it was on. Uh, lots of big names, lots of British names taking part. People like Duncan Scott, Adam Peaty, Siobhan Marie O'Connor, of course, Olympic Commonwealth Games medalist. Also, people like Hannah Miley as well. Fantastic second day uh, for the London Raw. But I just wanted to mention the staging. Um, and we've talked quite a lot already in this podcast about various uh, left field matters like my accommodation in Rio. But the staging to me, John, a little bit like gladiators in the 90s. That's what it reminded me of. But I'm not saying that as a criticism. I think that's the way the sport needs to go. And it does need to develop this this global circuit in the same way that cycling has and diving has and athletics has to a certain degree with with the Diamond League as well. And I think Adam Peaty's right. It is bringing in a younger audience. Uh, yeah, to me, it looks like a cosmic bowling with the with the <laughs> lanes down and Adam Peaty's the bowling ball just going right down and smashing into tens. So uh, well done to them. Uh, talking of new stagings, uh, Great Britain missed out on a place in the final of the new look Davis Cup in the so-called Magic Box in Madrid with Andy Murray sitting out the tie again with injury concerns. Carl Edmund beat Feliciano Lopez in the first singles rubber but Dan Evans, the British number one, couldn't match an inspired Rafa Nadal. But then Nadal and Lopez combined to win the tie at half past midnight Madrid time with two sets to love victory over Jamie Murray and Neil Skupski. But that wasn't the tale, really. No breaks of serve in the entire match. Nadal and Lopez just slightly using, uh, upping their return of serves during the tiebreak, and they missed a third of their returns throughout the game. It was incredible to watch, but they won uh, by two sets to love on two tiebreaks, and Spain were roared on by 11,000 fans inside the stadium, with the Brits just having 1,000 tickets. Uh, they are back for the final next year, though all the semi-finalists automatically qualified. But did the event work? Well, Michael, it was packed for Spain matches. Absolutely cracking atmosphere. Half of the stadium was empty when the lesser-supported teams were playing. The format was shortened across the week, but it still meant really long matches. Italy and the US ended at 4am Madrid time. And, of course, they are looking at this. Gerard Piquet, the Barcelona footballer, has been the man behind the new look. But it's also competing with this new competition in January called the ATP Cup. So it seems a bit a bit weird that the sport of tennis is competing with each other rather than trying to combine and come up with one big event. Now, the Davis Cup has huge heritage, but it is a men's event. And if they really want it to be more universal or more like the World Cup, ultimately, wouldn't it make more sense to move forward with a combined women's competition and team? Try something totally new in this uh, uh, kind of schedule at the, at the, uh, towards the end of the year, uh, November or December. That, I think, would move the sport forward. But it's good to see something new and trying something new, as we said, with the International Swimming League. My only concern was Andy Murray sitting out. He won his only match against Holland in GB's opening game, but spent the rest of the week watching from the stands. However, there has been more success for the Murrays because Judy Murray, OBE, will be given the Lifetime Achievement Award at the UK Coaching Awards, which will take place in December. Andy and Jamie's mum was a former Scottish international in her own right, but her distinguished 30-year coaching career is quite remarkable. And if you've read her autobiography, I will, you'll know what I mean. If you haven't, I highly recommended it. I was always a bit sceptical about Judy Murray. I'd never met her before and never had the, the pleasure of doing so. But I was probably swayed by what I'd read in the papers. And it was all rubbish. And actually, you read her autobiography and she comes over so well. And what she did for those boys is incredible. And she's carried on doing it. She spent the last eight years 
investing her own money and time into a starter tennis programme for girls called Miss Hits. And it's now been delivered to tens of thousands of girls around the world. There is no better person to get this UK Coaching Award Lifetime Achievement Award at the Tower Hotel in London on December 5th than Judy Murray. Well done to her. The Tour de Yorkshire, which is one of the big flagship events as far as equality in sport is concerned, have announced their host locations for 2020. The Tour de Yorkshire comes back. Remember, there's a women's tour and a men's tour uh, between the 30th of April and the 3rd of May in 2020. It's the sixth edition, so it's now firmly established as part of the British sporting calendar. It's also going to be joining the uh, World Series next year as well. So as far as the international cycling calendar is is concerned, it's taking a step up as well. Barnsley, Beverley, Halifax, Huddersfield, Leeds, Leyburn, Redka and Skipton all going to be uh, hosting starts or finishes. Redka, Leyburn and Huddersfield, first time hosts of a start or finish of the Tour de Yorkshire. And remember, of course, on a previous edition of Anything But Footy, we did a Tour de Yorkshire special uh, live from Leeds. British skateboarder sensation Sky Brown has won bronze at the STU Open Park skateboarding final in Rio. The 11-year-old delivered consistent runs right throughout the competition and the Olympic points gained means she will also maintain her world ranking of third and she's now another huge step closer to Tokyo 2020. Hockey will return to the Stoop for hockey's big weekend. The Stoop, of course, is the home of the Harlequins rugby team. The big weekend for hockey returns on the 16th and the 17th of May 2020. Great Britain's men and women will face Argentina. It means a return for the innovative blue pitch as well. And part of the deal will have hockey played at the Stoop in front of incredible crowds through until 2022. Luke Strong, the Rio 2016 Olympian and men's British champion this year, is out of the 2019 Trampolining, Tumbling and DMT World Championships in Tokyo because of injury. It means Rio silver medalist Bryony Page, along with British women's champion Kat Driscoll, head up the British Challenge across the week. It's being held at the brand new state-of-the-art Ariaki Gymnastics Centre, which will host the gymnastics at next year's Olympics. And there are qualification places up for grabs. Uh, Basically, you have to reach the final to qualify a Team GB place at next year's Olympics. Good luck to those who are competing. One name I think is going to be huge come Tokyo 2020 from a British point of view is Sinead McIntosh, the shooter. Won gold in the 50 metres rifle final of the World Cup finals in China. Had a tremendous season. Also won a World Cup gold in Rio and a silver and a gold at the Euros in September. She has secured a Tokyo 2020 quota place as well. She also won a bronze medal uh, alongside a Chinese shooter in the mixed air rifle event. A couple of retirements to tell you about. Paul Davis, who won a brilliant bronze medal in the men's C1 class at London 2012 Paralympics, has announced his retirement from the para table tennis with immediate effect. The 53-year-old Welshman said the time was right. He'd achieved everything he wanted to. And Steve Cummings, the Olympic silver medalist from Athens 2004, has announced he's getting off his bike professionally as well. The 38-year-old was in the British quartet that was second in the team pursuit in 2004 Olympics. And then he won gold in the same event at the 2006 Commonwealth Games in Melbourne. We'll finish with some snow and ice news. On the snow first of all, skier Dave Riding slipped out literally of medal contention following the second run in his uh, World Cup event. He was second after his first run in Finland but he crashed when aiming to become the first Brit to win an Alpine World Cup race. He has twice before finished on the podium but never at the top and from snow to ice, well done to Eve Muirhead who skippered Scotland to a silver medal 
at the European Curling Championships in Helsingborg. Sweden took the gold in the men's event. Scotland, uh, they won bronze there. Ross Patterson and his rink finishing third, securing two out of two medals for Scotland or Team GB as they will be when we come round to 2022 Beijing and the next Winter Olympics. This is Anything But Footy, your weekly dose of all things Olympic and Paralympic sport. And don't forget, you can always get in touch with us on our website, anythingbutfooty.com. Drop us a message there on the contact page. Email us, anythingbutfooty at gmail.com. Or you can tweet us and join in our debates about Airbnb or whether Katarina Johnson-Thompson was robbed by Dina Rasher-Smith in the Sunday Times Sportswoman of the Year Awards. We have had to agree to disagree on that one. You can join in the debate on Twitter at anythingbutf. You can find us on Facebook, on YouTube, on Instagram. We're on Apple and Google Podcasts, on Spotify, and we would love you to like, rate, and comment about us as well. And just a nod in the direction of our final episode of Great British Bosses. Series 1 has now finished with Andy Salmon from British Triathlon. We have lined up some cracking guests for Series 2, which is going to come your way early in 2020. And when Team GB do win medal number 865, you can guarantee we'll be talking about it on Anything But Footy, your Olympic and Paralympic sport podcast. Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.